Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I am so excited. I can't tell you how excited I am to be wel- welcoming Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson to the Podcast One family. Listen, it's Mike Tyson, quite literally the baddest man on the planet, pours his soul into conversations with fascinating minds, celebrities, and athletes, along with his cosmic millennial sidekick and former NFLer, Eden Britton. Kid Dynamite dives into the issues impacting us all today. This podcast will change the way you see the world. Check out their first two episodes featuring a guy you may have heard of, Evander Holyfield, and T.I. Don't miss Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It is November 21st. Man, I'm thankful we've gotten to this point. We're still alive. It's going to be a fun show because the slate this week is awesome. And there are some topics that are both ones that a lot of people are talking about that are interesting to discuss, but also a couple that are maybe a little under the radar that are unique um, to this season because we certainly weren't talking about it last season. We're going to start with... um, we start with some Super Bowl futures, and at this point in the season, if you are trying to go make yourself happy in February and you want to find some value on the Super Bowl, now is a decent time to do it. And I would go back to last year, and I would just think about at this time last year, the teams that we were continually talking about that had value were the Patriots and the Saints. Yeah, and um. And the Rams at this point were a team that people were just losing themselves over. And so it really speaks to the importance of finding good, consistent quarterback play um, and not getting kind of caught up in in some of the hype that's been around there. So uh, we're using lines that we found on uh, Bet Online. I should just mention that. So make sure that you check yours. Uh, okay. You have to place a bet on the Super Bowl right now. Your favorite one is what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the one that has the best value is New Orleans at plus 600. Um, we would make it plus 520. Um, so there's there's some value there. Uh, New Orleans, not only to make the, to win the Super Bowl, but also to make it out of the NFC at plus 225. I can't argue with that because literally yesterday on our in our backroom chat, I argued that New Orleans is the best team in the NFL. And I've said that for a few weeks. I would just point out that number two in terms of value are the Patriots once again. And their, their path is just so much easier yeah. because they're, they, they can basically breathe their way to home field. And think about the narrative right now with the Patriots is, wow, oh, man, their offense is not very good. But in the past seasons that they've won Super Bowls, they've been talked about as being dead and gone at this yeah. point in the season. So I'm not worried about it. I believe that they have the the pieces needed to, to score points. The, the Patriots do a good job of not peaking too early. And I think like teams like New Orleans in 20, or was it 17, probably peaked too early. Probably the same thing last year. Kansas City, same thing last season. Um, New England just kind of goes about their business on a week-to-week basis here. They, um, You know, the, the win against Philadelphia was not pretty, but uh, they got the job done. And as you said, their path to the one seed is pretty trivial in the sense that 
you know, they have Kansas City, but it's at home. You look at Baltimore, yep. their nearest competitor. Baltimore faces two tough teams from the NFC West the next two weeks. They finish with Cleveland. They finish with uh, um, uh, Pittsburgh. And they also have the Buffalo Bills, which is, you know are not a trivial team to play against. So, And they already have a one-game lead over them. They don't have the tiebreaker. But you know, it, it's a good path for New England. If you're looking at uh, futures that are not as in the future as the Super Bowl, I'll tell you the one that that uh, there are a couple that interest me. I'll let you talk about the one that pertains to tonight's game here in a second. But going to my West Coast, uh, the Seahawks right now, you can find them at plus 200 to win the NFC West. They're about to go into Philadelphia, play a Philadelphia team that is like the Falcons and will probably somehow lose that game. Um, whereas the, the Niners have Green Bay at home. They've got Aaron Rodgers coming back home wants to show up his family members uh, that are probably watching on a distant TV because he won't let them into the stadium. And that Week 17 game between Seattle and San Francisco is in Seattle. They have, this, they have the MVP in Russell Wilson. So if you can find him at plus 200, we'd make it closer to plus 150. Yeah, the thing about, about, about the Niners is they don't have an easy game the rest of the season, right? I mean, the, their simplest game is a home game against the Falcons, and the Falcons have been tremendous the last two weeks. You know, they, <laughs> and uh, and and the thing the thing the, the thing about the the thing about the Falcons is they need might, to clip that so that we can play it back in two weeks. The the Falcons might very well lose the next three games and in Falcon fashion go into San Francisco and win like thirty one three right. So like um, you know, whereas Seattle a little bit better or a little bit easier of a road. Um, so plus two hundred there is a terrific value. Not a whole lot on this, some of the other derivatives. So, like, there, there's one that I like in addition to, you know, the Seattle one, and that's Minnesota plus 800 to win the NFC. I think we would make it more like plus 750. You look at Minnesota, right? They, you know, what what's the path for them? It's, it's to come back and win the NFC North. And if they come back and win the NFC North, there's a really good chance, given what we just said about San Francisco and Seattle, that they could get the two seed. Or And, you know, their home stadium is a really tough place uh, for other teams teams to play in i can't decide what i would be more confident in so if i'm not confident in kirk cousins is a favorite i'm not confident uh, of him on the road against a good team both those things are terrifying to me so i'm not sure what's better for them to actually find a way to win that division and And be a a favorite right or to be a wild card team no one believes in us no one believes in kirk because anytime you get excited about Kirk Cousins, he just lets you down. Uh, let's move to the MVP conversation. And everyone wants to argue about who the MVP is. It's not a question. It's not an argument. It's Russell Wilson. Um, Kevin Clark, by the way, this is going to be partially a, hey, go check out good pieces of content on The Ringer. Because um, they're friends of ours and they do great stuff. Kevin Clark wrote a really cool piece on the changing of the MVP guard. You should go check it out. But we're not going to argue for who's one. Because it's Russell Wilson with a bullet. Who's number two? Yeah, I mean, I don't. <clears throat> for me, I think it's Dak Prescott, and people are going to ding him because there's a really good chance that they don't win the you know the division. Um, they're going to ding him because of his nine interceptions. Um, they're going to ding him because oh look, it, it required Kellen Moore and Amari Cooper to come into the mix to to actually get him to be. Uh, a quarterback worth uh, you know buying into, and again, we're talking about a guy who's a half a win below Russell Wilson in terms of WAR. But for me, it's Prescott, and I think that the biggest 
silliness right now is this idea that because his team is six and four, he's he's immediately dismissed from the the MVP conversation in favor of guys like Lamar Jackson, in favor of guys like Deshaun Watson, in favor you know of other player Aaron Rodgers, uh, for example, and. and you know, we you only have to look back like three years ago. Matt Ryan's Falcons team was seven and five through twelve weeks, and then, you know, they don't lose again until the Super Bowl. He's MVP by kind of a country mile. There's so much more to be determined in the NFL season, and you can almost see it this week. If Dak Prescott and the Cowboys go into New England and win convincingly against the Patriots, Dak's oh, yeah. the MVP next oh, week. Oh, oh! Finally, <laughs> the narrative that I've been begging for, which is yeah. Dak Prescott to show up as. Uh, MVP in the MVP conversation legitimately would come to fruition just like two weeks late. I respect your opinion. It's well thought out. It's wrong. Lamar Jackson has to be number two. And just think about this for a second. He is so good that he is taking a team that really doesn't have a wide receiver. He's made them such a good running team that their rush offense would make a lot of passing offenses jealous because it would rank above the NFL average at that respect. And it has propelled them to the number one offense in the NFL, despite not having a wide receiver that anyone knew of prior to last season. Hollywood Brown's been their best receiver, and he bar- he's not, you know, not on the field half the time. Mark Andrews, 45 years old, he's their best receiver. Lamar Jackson is so dynamic that he is changing the way that teams have to play defense. His passing has improved. He is such a good runner. He's the best runner since Michael Vick. And it's not as though... His athleticism is impressive, but his intelligence as a runner is so he does not take hits. Um, and as a as a passer, look, I know he's played some really terrible teams, but if you if you just take all of his plays and look at a per play PFF grade basis, he edges out Dak Prescott, and so that would be the trump card for me. But it is close. And here's the thing: it's all about how impressive you can be. A win in Los Angeles for Lamar would be impressive. But a win in New England for Dak yeah. would be even more impressive. Let me ask you this. So let's spin it forward. These two guys are interesting. At the end of next season, what are we talking about with respect to both these guys? Uh, well, I think with Dak, we're we're wondering. If we're with Dak, we're wondering who. I just don't know who the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys is going to be. I yeah. think if it's Garrett, we're we're Dak regresses a little bit. If it's if it's more, we might be seeing. Uh, a guy in the t- in the conversation for consistently being in the top eight quarterbacks that we always talk about. For Lamar, it's a lot of the same. Do and, and if there if there's any regression, okay, what kind of contract does he deserve after his you know fourth year? What kind of uh, offense are, is this offense going to continue? Um, if there's injuries to that team, which we know will happen, and they lose some games, like how does he respond to that? Because for me, the thing about Prescott's that's so impressive is that. They're not playing from ahead all the time. They're, it's not a perfect situation. We've seen Dak. Dak's good. We've seen Dak's bad. We've seen Dak from behind. We've seen Dak from ahead. We've seen Dak in the playoffs. We've seen every. We've seen Dak's hips. We've seen from the front end, and they behind. don't lie. And and the thing, but with Lamar, we've only had glimpses of the whole spectrum. For the majority of the time, Lamar Jackson's been the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. They've been ahead in games, and he's looked very good. And I just want to that that's going to be the thing. I think that inevitable regression will hit. We saw it with Pat Mahomes. Mahomes this year is generating a negatively graded throw five percent more than last season. And we're starting to see like, okay, if that happens, what is the next result for the Chiefs? We're going to see more of that with with uh, with um, Jackson and probably less of that with Dak. I think we know who Dak is. 
Dak is getting the benefit on your side from a weak supporting cast coaching. And I would push back on that and say, sure, but he has by far the better team around him. Yes. The offensive line is the highest paid in the NFL. He has Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Zeke Elliott was just paid $90 million. Like that offense is stacked. And so he better be having a good season. As I just pointed out, yeah, Lamar Jackson has John Harbaugh, who's great. And he has a great offensive coordinator who's doing wonderful things with the scheme. But he's got retreads Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram at running back. Who are the wide receivers on that team? Right? He's got Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews at tight end. So to tell me that he has got this perfect situation and is just, you know, frolicking in a land of bliss because of the things around him is a little bit but much. they're ahead they're ahead in a lot of games i mean and that and that does sure. cover i think what we're talking games. about at the end of next season after lamar has to face a much harder schedule next year is can they put the pieces around him to yeah. get them over the top and with dak we might be having a similar conversation what we're having with jared goff right now which is they paid him all this money injury regression has hit and it ain't so pretty when all and the uh, Kellen Moore all is not around as, him. Kellen Moore is not as brilliant as people think, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it, it's yeah, it, the the Rams being the cautionary tale here, and maybe Dallas, who I think has some pretty smart people working for them, that might be the reason they've waited so far. There's a person who isn't in the MVP conversation, but is on the outside looking in, and that's Derek Carr. Yeah, he's been very, very good. Now he doesn't deserve to be in the probably what the top five or six but he is a he's been a top 10 quarterback this season from a pff grading standpoint he has been the most accurate now not adjusting for target depth but he has been supremely accurate he has cut down significantly on the number of boneheaded turnover worthy plays that he has made i think it's almost cut in half so we would be quick to say the oakland raiders are six and four staring at the playoff a playoff berth because of what has happened to the passing game. And John Gruden is doing a great job, and Derek Carr is doing a great job. But there's a flip side to this that I wasn't expecting to hear about that a friend of ours at The Ringer, Danny Kelly, wrote about today, which is the draft class. And so it's kind of a two-part question. How much credit would you give the draft class, and to whom would you bestow the credit for that draft class? Well, I mean, okay. So the the fact is, is people are giving Mike Mayock quite a bit of credit, and I'm not here to dig on Mayock, right? I mean, we we are firm believers in this idea that no GM over the course of time is better at predicting above draft selection than any other. Um, but there are people here, you know. There was the tweet that came out that said, you know, the Raiders draft class is leading the NFL in rushing yards, in sacks, in tackles, and all this nonsense. Yeah, in volume stats. In volume stats, and why? Why are they leading in volume stats? They're leading in volume stats because the Raiders traded their best player last year for a bunch of draft picks. They also traded Amari Cooper as well, so they had three first round draft picks. They also had a second round pick and three fourths. So, like, they're, if those guys play, and why do they play? They play because the Raiders have almost no good players on their roster other yeah. than Carr and a few offensive linemen. Um, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on, on the Mayock praise. And, and here's the kicker for me as well. When you draft a guy in the fourth round who plays the same position as the guy you draft at fourth overall, and the guy in the fourth round outperforms the guy at fourth overall... To me, that's more of a self-own than, hey, look at I found this gem at, full, at in the fourth round uh, at pick 106 and Max Crosby than it is, 
anything else. The two best picks, the two best rookies, most important rookies, most valuable rookies to the Raiders this season have been Max Crosby and Trayvon Mullen. Not not Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has been great, but he's a product of a good offense, and he is taking advantage and of the an situation. Easy schedule. And an easy schedule. Now, I think Josh Jacobs is awesome. Again, I'm not trying to dig on him as a football player, but just as a he is not making as big of an impact as people think because they're looking at the wrong things. Whereas strong quarterback play, they had the their secondary was an absolute disaster for the past however many years. Mullen has come in there and played really well. They've had zero pass rush. Right? Even with Cleo Mack, they had zero pass rush and were losing a ton of games. And now they have some guys that come in and, you know, a fourth rounder is rushing the passer and doing big things. It didn't matter when they had Cleo Mack. It's, it's not like, as though Max Crosby has come in and been better than Cleo Mack. The reason that they deserve some, the, the people that deserve credit for them being six and four are John Gruden for making smart decisions, allowing Derek Carr to throw on second and long at the second or third, I can't remember which one it is right now, second or third highest rate in the NFL. Yep. New England and Dallas are the other two teams up there. That gives him more opportunities to hit open receivers, to invest in a passing offense that is dynamic. They're a top 10 um, a pass offensive team and that has not a whole lot to do with the Mike uh, Mayock's draft class yeah I mean at the end of the day in the first round you picked a defensive end 20 spots ahead of where he's mocked a running back and a box safety and by the way the box safety has been injured the whole season so you know again Raiders fans there this is a perfect storm for the Raiders because they're I still don't think they're particularly good, but they've taken advantage of a situation that has been beneficial to them. They're going to go into Las Vegas with some hope next year, and that's awesome. Can I, can I say the one place where I would give Mayock credit? At least he's accumulated draft picks. Yeah, but the – right. Uh, so I, I'm not so saying – Antonio he's Brown a- trade, for example, he didn't have to give up that much, right? It wasn't that risky of a situation for him especially given what other teams are offering. So, I no, we're not saying Mayock's been awful. What we're saying is pump the brakes in this idea that 11 weeks into his first draft yeah. class, he's some genius. I'm still giving John Gruden all of the credit because he pushed the button on the Cleo Mack thing. That was great for that team. He's pushed the buttons with Derek Carr. So it's all about John Gruden. He should be a Coach of the Year candidate. And that is how we will segue into this week's slate of games. We have a very good slate. We're going to pick our lock of the week first. Um, it didn't go so well last week because Tyreek Hill got injured and Philip Rivers just hates scoring touchdowns. And so the over did not hit in Mexico. Uh, if you have PFF Greenline, though, you saw that we had a lot of value on the Kansas City Chiefs. So hopefully you cashed in on that because they covered. Um, and, and uh, our other two picks that were printed other, on the website went 2-0, and o, including an under, which I know is against your religion, but sometimes you have to do well, that. Well, I mean, look, currently my religion is just battling through picking a, a loser right now. So we're going to get back on the schneid. We're not on tilt. Don't worry. Good slate of games, though. So we've got seven games that we're going to talk about here, only one of which I don't think we have a real strong lean, but it's Dallas, New England, and we want to talk about it. We're going to start Thursday night. Indy Houston. This game is massive for this division. We wrote about it yesterday. You go check it out on pff.com. Um, the winner of this game is is we just has a massive advantage to win this division and make it to the playoffs. And we probably didn't expect this to happen at the beginning of the season. Um, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, going into the year, you know, if you did the mathematical, so even with. Um luck in the simulations there was some value on pick on futures like 
Indy not to make the playoffs, Indy under nine and a half wins, all that kind of stuff. And so when luck retires, you're like, oh, sweet, these are, this is free money. And then eventually, and then we come back to the fact of why we were so high on Indy, which is that their coach and their infrastructure is great. Uh, and that's really carried them through here. Um, a couple blips on the radar, but they're, yeah, they're very much, both of these teams have a 46% chance to win the AFC South. Houston tonight, though, we give Houston a little bit of an edge, 65%. Uh, to win this game, and as a result, uh, you know, moving forward, a, a, a sizable advantage in terms of winning the division. Spread is three and a half right now. If I have to go, it's very hard for me. I would immediately, looking at this, say, "Oh, Frank Reich getting more than three. Um, I like that." But I'm worried about T.Y. Hilton. Um, I'm worried about the Texans getting a lot of flack for a six sack game a game where they didn't get a pi that they should have gotten they have by far the better quarterback they have the better skill position players um and i the gap between reich and o'brien is certainly there but o'brien has made some smart decisions he has decided to be aggressive uh make the logical fourth down decision um at times that it really matters and so uh, i i think i would actually have to take the texans yeah, I, I, we have these teams basically equally power rated, um, but it, it's a it's kind of you know uneven in the sense that Houston's defense is terrible, and you know there's not particularly any talent after JJ Watt you know goes out for the season. But it, there's there's significant questions as to whether the Colts can take advantage of it. Um, they've leaned a lot on the running game this year, which has been good against teams that I think like are bad, like you know for example yeah. Jacksonville last week. But it remains to be seen as to whether or not they can, you know, get out ahead of a team like Houston. Now they did uh, a couple, you know, about a month ago at home. But again, Watson, you look here like, okay, let's say these two teams are equally power rated. Okay, what tips the scales in favor of Houston? And it's the fact that they have the best quarterback wide receiver combo in the entire NFL and DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. Last week, I think very fluky defensive pass interference, and also a, they took a sack on almost half of the pressure dropbacks. Yeah, so most like, sacks he's taken all season. And so, and and Watson, fundamentally speaking, has been decreasing his pressure rate week to week. Like he's not the highest pressured quarterback in the NFL anymore. He's very much a guy who's I think controlling it. Last week was a little bit of a blip. So I I think the Texans rebound here. I think a lot of people are going to like the Colts. Yeah, so so here's a question. I think the buy price here for me, if you can get if you can get Houston minus three and a half even money, it's a play. I think if you can get Houston minus three or sorry, yeah, Houston minus three at you know, minus one ten, minus one twenty, it's a play. Three and a half minus one ten is not. So that that's kind of like the Yeah, I'm the, just talking about if you a lot of people out there have to pick every game. And I think a lot of people, if you're given, if you're given like numbers in a super contest, I think a lot of people are going to take Indy plus three and a half, as you said. Yeah. Although luckily there, you don't have to choose this game. Uh, you can just enjoy it. You can just There's enjoy. the potential for that. Pittsburgh goes to Cincinnati. They're coming to visit us uh, for some reason. And uh, they are six and a half point favorites. Mason Rudolph's head is intact. They obviously yeah. had a pretty embarrassing loss. More or less. They had a pretty embarrassing loss to the Cleveland Browns uh, last Thursday. So six and a half on the road. It's less than seven. The Bengals are really, really, really bad. Yeah, this has been interesting because it's sort of bounced back between being a value. So right now, 
if if you can get Pittsburgh at minus six and a half, minus one ten, it's great. But you know, if you're offered minus one fifteen, it's actually a different story, you know. And and this is sort of yo-yoed between. I think you're seeing you're seeing people like both. The Bengals here have been a team that people have bet on the, a lot because they're like they're like the 2017, dogs, uh, you know, Cleveland Browns, 2016 Cleveland Browns. And last week, if you bet the Bengals, you got the money. They played very hard. I think Oakland struggled offensively. They gave up a lot of pressure to you know the Carl Lawsons of the world. I don't see the Bengals being able to put together two good performances in a row. The reason that the Bengals covered against the Raiders is the Raiders, who we just mentioned, really don't have a pass rush. They really don't have a very good defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a team that is going to turn Ryan Finley into the absolute disaster that he is, who he has not made a big-time throw yet this season. And 7% of his throws are turnover-worthy plays. The, the Steelers are the best team at getting quick pressure on quarterbacks, Ryan Finley disintegrates in this game, so if you can, can they get it, score though is the is a question because we know turnovers are pretty unstable. That's why we picked Cleveland last week on Thursday night. I agree with everything you say about their defense, but, but they, well, they also have the better quarterback, the better offense, the better coach. Okay, because don't I, tell me that Ryan Finley is a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph. I think they're the don't. same. Stop. I think they're the same. Mason Rudolph is trash. Yes, Ryan Finley should not be playing in the NFL. I think you can make a similar statement about Mason Rudolph, but I, I'm just saying. No, no. Like Mason Rudolph should be a backup quarterback. Ryan Finley should not be in the NFL. But my thing is, is you're laying you're laying almost a touchdown on the road. So like, I have to. I I need capitalization on these turnovers, and I don't. I so for me, I'm probably going to lay off this game because I don't think. I just don't think the Steelers can. I reliably get up at head two scores to make this to make this spread you know that's fine i'm just saying if you have to, to pick one side oh yeah i mean fine yeah relax here i mean the mason you act like i'm mason. investing my mortgage which i don't have thank god uh yeah, in same. uh in all of these in all of these games um but i agree with you it's tough to take it's tough to really feel good about a team with mason Rudolph a quarterback as a favorite on the road by, by a touchdown but i would just point the following thing out which is i live 100 feet from the Bengals stadium and i see more people walking the opposite direction of the stadium in Bengals jerseys than to it uh and i would anticipate that there are more steelers fans than Bengals fans here given the proximity mm-hmm. so keep that in mind carolina goes to new orleans carolina was a darling of the nfl in fact i kind of liked him as an underdog in San Francisco, and they got stomped on. Nine and a half point underdogs in New Orleans. The Saints coming off of what was a very humiliating loss the last time they were in New Orleans. They go beat Tampa Bay. And we talked about this yesterday, and you pointed out, well, you know, Drew Brees, he's not throwing the ball down the field. Um, You know, can he put up the type of offensive performance that can beat a team by 10 or more? My, My answer is yes. Because I think they're the most well-rounded team in the NFL, both offensively and defensively. They have the best offensive line. They have the best running back, the best wide receiver, that trio of uh, components around Drew Brees. And their defense has made a jump from eh, mediocre to top 10 across the board. Yeah, they've, their, their defense, I think, has been um, you know, a revelation, really. Not only you know, at the top end, right, the Cameron Jordans of the world, uh, the Marshawn Lattimore's of the world, but also depth, right? So last week, Lattimore sits out against a team, you know, Godwin and, and Evans are no joke. They're, They're almost 2,000 yards receiving between the two at this point in the season. And they just, 
you know, they, they just move on. They, you know, they bring Patrick Robinson off the bench. They bring uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson off the bench. And those guys and, – and, you know, they create turnovers. They, they create pressure. Uh, they, they don't stop the run. They, they stop the run really well, um, but that doesn't really kind of matter. So the question is, is like, okay, in this game, if I want to lay these points with New Orleans – I got to be fairly certain that Carolina is going to perform the way that they have offensively the last few games, which mm-hmm. is trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I and I, I I think that that's the case. And then, so if you're the Saints, you say, okay, well, how you know how do they score? Well, the Panthers have been decent against the pass, but awful against the run. And the Saints, to their, I don't know, sometimes frustration, but sometimes credit, have committed to giving the ball to Kamara and uh, Latavius Murray in the passing game, also on the ground. And I think. I don't know, I think they control this game. I'm a little worried that it's two scores, but honestly, the Saints are such a are are so much better than Carolina here, and I still think there's some residual oh Kyle Allen's this plucky story, and the reason this isn't like thirteen and a half. Yeah, Drew Brees does something that you want to see, which is he limits bad throws. He's the best at limiting negatively graded plays in the NFL. That's what he does. Kyle Allen, he's both bottom five in terms of making just negatively graded plays. Yeah and turnover-worthy plays, like the really bad ones. And that is something that the New Orleans Saints are now able to capitalize on when they maybe weren't in the past. Carolina's, their only offensive weapon is Christian McCaffrey. Who would you rather have, Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara? Uh, well, no, I'd have, rather have Alvin Kamara long-term. I, but I think, that, I think that the Panther, I mean, DJ Moore is good. Um, and, and He's not... He he's a weapon, but I don't think to to the point about earlier is that the, I think the Saints defense shuts down both of these men pretty easily. Okay. So so I would take Kamara, especially in this matchup. For me, for a lock of the week though, it, the the hard part is is that you're laying more than a touchdown in a game where, like, let's say New Orleans turns the ball over early in the game mm-hmm. and and Carolina gets a cheap score. This yeah. is very similar. We had New Orleans against Cleveland week two last year, and it was just like. The Saints are never going to get to the two touchdown. I mean, basically, again, as I talked about with the Steelers, to to lay this many points, they have to be basically up like seventeen with like in the fourth quarter for me to feel comfortable about yeah. this. No, I'm with you there. the The thing that gives me some hope is, and some reason to want to consider this as uh, as opposed to the other games that we've just talked about, which I think we wrote off. This is they are so good at home that it's such a big home field advantage. They were. Imp- thoroughly embarrassed the last time they were at home to me they try to blow this team out like i don't think this is a situation where well we just need to win this game this is a we want to make a statement type game speaking of uh no not speaking of statements that was a stupid segue seattle goes to philly seahawks eagles your personal uh preference on bird seahawk or eagle well eagle generally Especially given the the spread here, which is one and a half. So this is um, depending on it's all the way down to one in some spots. But yeah, one and a half. It's, got, it's kind of bouncing between these sort of inconsequential numbers here. So this immediately tells you all you need to know about how people view the Eagles at this point, which is kind of like the Falcons, maybe. Yeah. Right. There might be a team that has some of the pieces that just continually underperforms. Uh, as the sum of their parts, Carson Wentz has a 97 passer rating when clean. The NFL average is 102. Carson Wentz is not a below average quarterback. But Russell Wilson comes in, and the guy, even when he's under pressure, has a passer rating 10 points higher than Wentz when clean. So, like, 
the discrepancy between the way these two guys are viewed by the media is massive. Wilson can do well wrong. Wentz can basically not catch a break. He's top three in the league uh, in drop passes, and they've just got injuries all over the place. So to me, that's the reason this is short. But I don't want to. I don't want to sleep on the Eagles because they lost to the Patriots. Well, not only that, but uh, all the things that Seattle, or sorry, all the things that Philly struggles with, except for the quarterback, Seattle also struggles with, right? So you look at the injury report for Seattle. And Jadavion Clowney did not participate in Wednesday's practice. He basically changed the game the other, you know, last Monday night against Seattle, against uh, San Francisco. KJ Wright's banged up. Tyler Lockett's banged up. Uh, Jason Myers, the kicker, is also uh, banged up. And you know, Seattle, Seattle is a team that is poor defensively. I mean, the fact that the Niners couldn't take advantage of it was mostly a product of Jimmy G's inaccuracy and/or drops by his receivers. And we've seen and and. and not to say that that can't happen with Philadelphia. You know, Philly is, I believe, a top five team in terms of producing drops. Um, Car- you know, but Carson Wentz has shown the ability to put the ball on the money and drops and you know pressure, stati- all that kind of stuff is pretty unstable, right? So um, I don't think that Seattle is this juggernaut that people make it out to be anywhere but the QB position. And when you look at the QB position. Okay, what is what does Wilson rely on? He relies on Tyler Lockett. Well, Lockett doesn't have the downfield speed with that injury. Metcalf again is a little bit green still. Josh Gordon, sort of anything can happen there. And the the news of the week for Seattle is they got Ed Dixon back at tight end. So you know, it's huge. It, it's humongous. So I think this game plays to Philadelphia far more than people believe. Um, and, and so I kind of like this. I, I like them at minus one. I like them at minus one and a half. Honestly, all the way out to probably a shy of a field goal is probably a solid play. Um, yeah. All right. We'll keep it in contention here. The Dallas Cowboys go to new England. New England is a six and a half point favorite, basically exactly where we pegged it on Monday morning. Um, we are smack dab at 50, 50 in terms of what our model thinks, yeah. uh, covering the spread. So I ask you, you got to choose one side. Uh, you, I think you take the points with Dallas. This is the better quarterback getting points. Wow. Yeah. Dak Prescott, better quarterback than Tom Brady, according to Eric Eager. Uh, I mean, it, it's... Uh, Dak's playing better than Brady, and he has a better supporting cast. All right. <laughs> what do you think? I, I am going to... Um, fade the Dallas Cowboys after barely beating Jeff Driscoll. Dallas is a team. Absolutely. I Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's that's who's playing. It's not like Dak and Brady are boxing one-on-one. So, to me, this is this is the opportunity that the Patriots had a couple weeks ago against the Ravens where they have a team that's good. They haven't beaten a team that's good all season. This is their opportunity to beat a team that's good. Brady's pissed, by the way. He's really angry about the the way that offense played. They get in gear. They that this will be a great offensive performance. The Cowboys defense, it's it's way, way overvalued. People think that's a great defense because they've got a bunch of big names that are paid a lot of money. I totally I disagree. do think the James Whites of the world will have their day with those three linebackers for sure. But um but at the same time again, like if I'm getting six and a half points with Dak 
like I, I think I firmly believe New England will win. But I also but I think it's gonna be one of those situations where Dallas gets in position to win the game and Jason Garrett messes it up, right? And yeah, so but like, they're down seven at that point. I don't, I don't think so. I think it's I think it's a one score I think it's a field goal game. But here's an interesting part of this that I did not actually anticipate. Okay. This game is humongous, I think. Dallas in the positive direction. If they win, their chance of winning the a- NFC East go up to 84% from 72% where it's currently at. If they lose, it only drops 5%. And again, I think a lot of that is, okay, Philadelphia's got a tough game at home. Philadelphia's basically got to win that game to stay in contention for yep. the NFC East. Or, you know, not really, but it's big. Dallas losing an AFC game is not as big of a deal as, you know, as philadelphia losing an nfc game would be at home but dallas winning coupled with the chance that philadelphia could lose at home to seattle would really put them in in the driver's seat so this is a big game but if dallas loses it's not the end of the world they're still at 67 percent if they they lose to win the division yeah no it, it, that's a, a great point the patriots are the best team in the nfl at making games that don't matter that much matter a heck of a lot they are going to try and make sure they are playing the AFC Championship game at home and not in Baltimore, for example. So um, I anticipate Brady to come back and, and, and play well. Uh, Green Bay goes to San Francisco on Sunday night. Rodgers returning home. Now, this line has bounced around a little bit. We printed this this morning in our article at three and a half. Um, the Packers getting three and a half. It looks like it, it might be down to three now. Let's talk about it uh, at three and a half. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue here is we're basically taking plus three and a half minus 120 for Green Bay. If you want to lay if you want to take only three, you get plus 100. So we're really from this perspective, we're implying plus three and a half minus 120. Um, so that's kind of and we like that. I mean, Green Bay is a team that I think is really undervalued here for a couple of reasons. One is obviously they have the better quarterback in this spot. And it, despite what our friends on Twitter say, Aaron Rodgers is still an elite quarterback. He's, you know, our, he's from a PFF war perspective, a top five player at this point in, in the season. Um, he's got a great offensive line in pass protection, which, you know, is a very solid, you know, sort of um, combating to San Francisco's defensive front, which is banged up now without D Ford. And they have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Devontae Adams a type of receiver that San Francisco really hasn't been challenged against all season. And so there's a lot of things here that San Francisco's track record to this point is not going to be able to project against Green Bay specifically on Sunday Night Football. The San Francisco 49ers have struggled mightily with the Arizona Cardinals twice. The last two weeks, yeah. As much as I love Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers is better than Kyler Murray. And the Niners' defense has carried them against subpar opponents they faced a decent opponent in the seattle seahawks and it was a struggle for them and they are going to have a struggle here once again because you can only do so much when you give a guy time and i think aaron Rodgers will actually be able you know to have some time here in this game and to make some plays so it's a situation where you have the better quarterback getting points and getting more than a field goal uh at plus three and a half so to me, this is this is a Packers. We also haven't seen Kawan Alexander was a, a free agent signing. We sort of derided a little bit, but he had generated some success as an, as a 49er. He's out. The last 
three weeks, we have not seen teams that deploy their running back in a in a significant fashion in the passing game. Right, Seattle's kind of boring offensively with with respect to throwing to their backs, and Arizona hasn't quite figured that out. Plus, yep. you know, and and Kenyon Drake had some had some success against them nonetheless on that Thursday night game. Green Bay is going to take those backup linebackers for San Francisco and have have their way with them. Rodgers, one thirty four pass rating to running backs is first. Yeah, in the so, NFL. so so to me this is this is huge. Also on the offensive side of the ball, Jimmy G has gotten right against Arizona. That to me doesn't carry. The, oh no! The, the, you mean you mean the uh, like one thirty pass rating against the blitz that he's had against the, the the Cardinals? The injuries to Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle might not keep them out of the game, but it's going to keep them a little weaker than normal. Green Bay healthier off of bye, getting the extra day even off of the bye, or getting sort of the extra half day off the bye. I don't know. I just this is this is a play that you know not money line Green Bay Green Bay plus three plus three and a half depending upon what you want to lay with the juice. Love it. Let me tell you one more thing, which would worry me if I am a Niners fan, and I might be a Niners fan. The tackles for San Francisco have been absolutely atrocious. So Joe Staley's out, school is in his place, and has been one of the five worst tackles in pass protection. Mike McGlinchey has been also a disaster at tackle. And the Green Bay Packers have generated have the third, second or third best pass rush duo off the edge in terms of getting pressure with the Smith, guy, the Smith brothers. Jimmy G as unstable as pressure is, can't seem to not throw the ball to the opposing team whenever something goes wrong, right? Like you're guaranteed to get a couple just toast, you know, tossed right to you. So um, that is something that I'm not worried about with Rodgers. He limits those bad plays as well as anyone, um, whereas Jimmy G, I would expect to get a couple. Um, and when you're the favorite, you don't want that to happen. Baltimore, Los Angeles, in Los Angeles on Monday night, Lamar versus Jared Goff. It's so funny how... The narratives have changed, right? Jared Goff is like, oh, man, this guy's the next great quarterback. And now it's like, oh, maybe you spent a little too much money. Well, which Mr. is what Goff. I'll say, because we got some flack on Twitter yesterday about Dak and us saying, you know, us somehow saying Dak wasn't worth the max contract. Right. If we're talking NBA like Jared Goff last season was Dak. Yep. So just just a reminder here. Yeah, very interesting that the Ravens have a quarterback that was picked at 32 and the and the and the Rams have one that was picked at one. And we're seeing, you know, drastically different results as a function of coaching uh, and, and situation here. That being said, I don't know, man. The Rams getting three, and not only that, getting three plus one, 100, which it would, again, be plus three and a half, minus 120 if you wanted to buy the half point, I think adds, has some value here. I think you're, buy, you're selling the Ravens at the top of the market, and you are... You know, you're getting the Rams kind of at the bottom. I don't think people really look at that win against the Bears as impressive on nope. Sunday Night Football. Everyone's just talking about the Bears. The Rams were without Robert Woods, who's out for personal reasons. If he comes back and Brandon Cooks comes back, that's the first time Jared Goff's going to have all three of those guys. And that offensive line, look, Rob Havenstein had been an absolute disaster at tackle. Bobby Evans came in and like actually played football. So there is an opportunity here to... A team that has just been roasted left and right, right? They overpaid Jared Goff. They're trading away first-round picks left and right. Um, and they're the underdog at home. When a Ravens team, we talked about this yesterday, Like I don't actually expect the Ravens fans to come in and take over uh, that, that stadium. So it might be an opportunity here to actually get a better-than-average team at home 
getting points. Yeah, letdown spot for the Ravens because they've, they've just been roasting everyone. They took down Houston. They have some separation between themselves and the Chiefs, right? Uh, you know, and and Houston as well. Um, they're just sort of sitting there waiting for the Patriots to lose a couple more games so they can possibly get the one seed. There's there's a lot there there. And then here's the other thing. So the Rams defensively, I think, do some things that can stop uh, the Ravens offensively. They have linebackers who are fast and can cover tight ends. They have safeties who can also cover tight ends. Their corners are going to basically shut down the wide receivers one-on-one, and that's basically what you have to do. Corey Littleton is one of the best linebackers in the game. I think he's you know top five in terms of wins above replacement. He's a guy that could you know has the athleticism to spy a guy like Lamar Jackson if they choose to do man coverage. And Aaron Donald's the one of the best players in football, and I think he can hold a point of attack to the to a degree that you know the running back runs won't kill uh, the the Rams the way that running back runs killed Houston last week. I mean Mark Ingram, you know Gus the Bus Edwards, and all those players. They had their way. I mean, there was the one highlight run by Jackson, but it was mostly the running backs uh, that made that made all the money for uh, the Ravens last week. So I think the Rams stack up pretty well here. And here's the thing that the Rams have struggled with offensively. Their offensive line has been bad. And I think that last week they, they figured it out a little bit. They they held Cleo Mack to a relatively... Um, one of his worst games one of his career. Wor- yeah, one of his worst games of his career. The secondary is is where the Ravens do things offensively, but you know the 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 Rams when they're healthy have one of the best wide receiver wide receiver trios in the league, and Gerald Everett has emerged as a pretty solid receiving tight end. So I don't know. I think I think Rams plus three is a value here. Yeah, there are a couple things that that worry me a little bit um, about this. One of which is that the Ravens are are pretty good at. Um, using play action and the Rams are kind of an undisciplined defense. Um, but I also, I also think that this might be a place where the Rams can take advantage of the Ravens with some of that play action and their secondary is a little new. They like to blitz. They like to be aggressive. So they blitz almost 50% of the time. So if you can take advantage of some of those quick hitters with those receivers back and you're an underdog, take it. All right. Uh, that is the list of games that are worth talking about slash, are in consideration. I just, we should just like throw a dart. Eh, I don't know. I mean, so you can go to pff.com. If you have an, a, an elite subscription, you can look at the game, the three games that we printed out of these. Um, but among these games, that's right, so we're throwing out Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm not doing Pittsburgh. Um, there's go. not really a ton of value on Indy Houston. There's not really a ton of value on right. Dallas, New England. Those are games we just talked about because they're prime time. They're good. Um, so we've got Philly minus one and a half. We've got Green Bay plus uh, three and a half minus one twenty, and we've got LA uh, plus three. Yeah, we also have New Orleans minus nine. Oh, and sorry, half. I forgot New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, New Orleans minus nine and a half. So yeah, I don't know. Is which one of these quarterbacks likes charity? Drew Brees likes charities, right? He does. He does. Um, he's got to get. He's also the laying a, a ton of points. I. My thing is, Philadelphia. I've said over and over and over again are the new Falcons. So I have a hard time making the Falcons the lock of the week. Yep. I'll, let's. Okay. I mean, let, so, let's so, let's go back to the well. The last lock of the week we've won was a road team as a dog in San Francisco. 
Yeah, I I am going to lean better quarterback. I'm going to lean with the tried and true better quarterback getting points at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Here, I I will say this. I I know that the Niners faithful are strong. I'm not so sure there won't be a bunch of Packer fans there. Yeah. Because this would be a game that you would have planned on going to. Yeah. Right? You want to go to the West Coast. So I don't know. Um, And here's the tough thing with the Rams. One week is not... I kind of need to see it. You know? Like, I think the things they did plugged some holes that you can win against bad teams with. And then when a good team comes in, it just kind of bursts your... Yeah, I... I I have a hard time getting in front of the bu- the Baltimore bus here. Um, I don't think we've really gotten... The one from Indianapolis? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Middle of the night. Uh, so, and we really haven't... This is the first time we've really seen value against Baltimore all season other than a little bit with New England. So, I think we do have them these two teams properly power rated. But I, I, I have to go with Green Bay plus the three and a half minus 120 just because... I think that I think that San Francisco has some underlying issues uh, that we have not seen the full effects of yet. There it is. All right, we're going to speed through the rest of the games here. You can obviously go check all of them out at pff.com slash greenline with an elite subscription. You get all the NFL games and you get all the FBS games. That includes all the bowl games. So if you are trying to get through family time over the next month and a half, that involves watching terrible bowl games. Bowl games are awful. They're s- I can't understand how people watch them. You're such a Grinch about They <laughs> suck. Unless you have some vested interest well, in the games. Exactly, and yeah. this gives you a way to do it. You know kind of like all the fundamentals about the teams, the good players, the bad players. It's the only way that you can actually get through the bowl games. So I recommend you do so. It's like, you know, most people, they go to a family event and they're like, I just need a drink. You just need PFF Green Line to make it through the bowl games with your family that you I, uh, love so dearly. Yeah, I, yeah. The you get to the first stage of life where you just need a drink immediately, and then the second stage of life is I need a drink immediately, and I need some skin in the kit in the Belk Bowl between two, Tulane and Tulsa. Hey, Uncle Jim, <laughs> uh, the uh, the Almond Bowl. Yeah. You got that one? The San Francisco the Almond Micron, Bowl. Micronpc.com yeah. Bowl was a thing for a while, which is yeah. I mean. What about uh, the Pep, Boy, Pep Boys Alamo Bowl? You got that one on? Just just as a plug here, you know, uh, obviously George and I write our article with PFF picks for NFL games. Ben Brown writes his for NCAA. I believe he is 38 and 30 on the year, so he's done a pretty good job. It's a lot of fun. He does a very good job on his write-ups as, uh, you know. We also mentioned that we just talked about the Ravens. A couple of, uh, we'll plug some other content. Timo wrote an yeah. awesome piece about the Ravens offense. You should go check that out. And... If you were trying to get through the primetime games, Kev Coles got math that you cannot believe that will give you some awesome, awesome ways to play DFS on uh, primetime games. So you should check both some of those. Some great additions to the, to, um, to the stable here. And they're, uh, oh, we're a stable now. Producing great content. Is eggnog overrated? I've never had eggnog before. Wow, really? Yeah. No. I, so what's your go-to drink during the holidays? Uh, a, a glass of wine. Actually, well, multiple guy. glasses of wine. You're such a wine guy. <laughs> All right. Tampa Bay, Atlanta. Atlanta is a four and a half point favorite. I can't believe I'm reading that at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I will say 
uh, the following, which is I would, again, not take the Falcons ever. So if I had to take one side, I would take Tampa Bay uh, in this game. And the, and the reason being is that the the Jameis Winston car wreck was a car wreck and is now destined to be like a, an Uber plus. Yeah. One thing that's interesting this week is we don't have any value on totals and any game none none and and i'm very happy about that because totals are kind of bad they 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 uh they're a sweat but um this is a game where you look at this and atlanta really wants to play this game low scoring now they want their defense to they want their defense to put their offense in positions where running the ball in first and second down is not the biggest tragedy in the history of the world and Tampa Bay games are the exact opposite. Tampa Bay games, Jameis is throwing. Jameis is third in the NFL in yards passing right now. He, if you add on interception yards, he's clearly going to be first. He likes to keep both teams scoring. Yeah, a- and so it'll be interesting to see what ends up winning out here. At three and seven, you know, if you bet them over six and a half, you're really, you know, you you need them to finish four and two. This would be a game in the right direction there. They do get to face the Falcons twice down the stretch. So I'm going to be hoping that we see good Jameis in this game. But uh, given how the Falcons have defied us all season, uh, we might see good, uh, bad Jameis. And, it, you know, the Falcons turn the, the Buccaneers over like five times. I've never had to do this, but I've heard this this happens quite often. The Falcons are the X that you, like, have to just... I'm I'm deleting the number. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not looking at uh, social media. I'm unfollowing them. All of those things. I am. I have done you're, that. You're putting your Falcons. Facebook stuff on on private so that the Falcons can't even see it. There you that, go. That's how much you hate the Falcons. Uh, ben Stockwell just said, "Don't hate on the Chair Bundy Boca Raton Bowl." I'm going to hate on that till the cows oh. come home. Actually, I'm not because it's not worth my time. Uh, Denver Broncos with Brandon Allen face Josh Allen in Buffalo, and the Buffalo Bills are four point favorites. Who's the better Allen? Oh wow. I mean, this is one that I don't understand because when we had the podcast on Monday morning, which is, you know, very good content, go and listen Great to content. it. Great content. We said that Buffalo being favored by like basically only like five or six was egregious. Yep. And, and Buffalo would be the side here. And then not only were we wrong with respect to our own models, but we were wrong with respect to the market because this has gone all the way down to four and then three and a half in some cases – I I can't I can't get near this game because I just Brandon Allen has yet to throw a turnover worthy play, which we know is just bound to happen. He does have more big time throws per pass than Josh Allen, who's like a four to one guy in that ratio, turnover worthy to big time. But Buffalo defensively, I think, is the best team that Brandon Allen is gonna face. And I just if if Buffalo if the Bills can score like two or three touchdowns. I just don't see how Denver can overcome that. I think we should be very careful to think about the Denver Broncos having played two games last week. They played a game in the first half where the Vikings pooped themselves. And then they played a game in the second half where they got thoroughly blown the heck out. Yeah. And the the Vikings, as you have mentioned a couple of times, their defense, it actually isn't that great. And no. Noah Fant and, and Cortland Sutton were getting open kind of, uh, at will against them. How do you throw the ball to Noah Fant on consecutive plays in the red zone to win the game when I, I have no Andrew idea. Dejo is covering Corlin Sun. No idea. I mean, that was blatantly terrible. But 
here's the tough thing. I could easily see Brandon Allen having a better passing game day than Josh Allen in this game. Um, and so that is the reason that I would probably, uh, you know, stick, stay away from this game. Uh, though, I, I mean, I'm not going to go against the math because I'm not an idiot, but this is a tough one for me. Yeah, the, I, I push back a little bit on the two games issue, right? Because it, it sucks because the, when Denver had the ball to down by more than a field goal, they did drive the ball at will against the Vikings. They converted multiple fourth downs. And then it was just bad play calling at the end. So I, I do think Denver, you know, Denver has the goods to to beat a team like Buffalo. It's just like I, I think you're just buying them too high right now in a game like this at plus four. I'm here with you. The New York Giants Stop. go to Chicago. This game is just who's the better quarterback in this game? Daniel Jones by a country mile. Well, I don't know. Is Chase Daniel playing? Oh, yeah. If Chase Daniel's playing, then it's more of a push, right? Can I? I don't know a lot about Mitch Trubisky. Like, poor guy. Well, we were talking about this on Sunday night or you know Monday morning. It seems like Matt Nagy is trying to prove a point that he's bad, which I just I I hate because you know you took it's like it's like when somebody gets elected president and then they blame the former president for four years, right? It's like no, you wanted this job, right? You knew Trubisky was the quarterback when you took this job, and. You made you made you know chicken salad out of chicken shit last year, right? With an, that offense, and all of a sudden, what? Like you've lost it. They're one of the worst teams in the league on scripted plays, which was the narrative last season. They're the worst. They're yeah. not one of. They are the worst. Okay, yeah, I, I was, yeah, yards per play, yards per play. I, I'm more looking at EPA, which is like the Bengals, and those teams are like you know, throwing pick sixes early in games. Yeah. But um, they're they're terrible, and they don't do anything to help Mitch out. Which, like, I hate to be an advocate for the guy after you know a, a full year of trying to, uh, of trying to say he's not very good, but like, does Nagy want to win? Is really a question here. And if and circling back, then Shermer, who has not been given much, right? They traded away his best receiver. Uh, the offensive line is still not particularly good, even though they invested a lot of resources in it. They drafted a running back at two overall as his first draft pick. He's Daniel Jones is a 103 passer rating when clean. Yep. Like he he's looks, above average, whereas Mitch Trubisky well below. He looks like an NFL quarterback. Now he makes a ton of turnover. Six like percent of his plays are turnover worthy. He looks. The you know, part. Who he looks like. He looks like Mitch. La- no, like last he looks year. like Jameis Winston. Because Mitch, as bad as he was, like Daniel Jones just puts the ball up there. Yeah. Like, let's play three flies up. I also let's. It, that's a little rough to compare someone to Mitch Trubisky. Sure, but I, what I'm saying is, when you, when you watch, so when Unkind. you when you watch when you watch a football game and you watch like Dwayne Haskins right now, and you're just like, that guy's not ready to play. Well, football. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas you watch Daniel Jones, and you're like, okay, yeah, he just messed up here, he just messed up there, but he doesn't look like a guy who shouldn't belong on a football field, which is encouraging in year one, and I think a testament to Shermer. Trubisky has gone from a guy who looked like an NFL quarterback, a bad one last year, to not even looking like an NFL quarterback in one year, and I think Matt Nagy deserves a. a decent amount of criticism here for not wanting it doesn't seem like he's done much to help Trubisky he just looks sad man he looks really sad so if you can get the better quarterback getting six and a half points with a team that appears to be in a better place mentally which uh the Giants do compared to the the Chicago Bears then I would that's the side I would lean towards the Miami Dolphins go to Cleveland to 
face the Miles Garrettless Cleveland Browns. Speaking of a team that is in the wrong place mentally, that has been the Cleveland Browns all season. The the Miami Dolphins are getting 10, but this line has decreased kind of steadily throughout the, the week. So you're not getting the best of it. Didn't it open at 11? Yeah, at one point in the week, you could have gotten it at plus 11, in which case there would have been value. I think at 10 now, it's a little bit under break even if you bet it. And I'm uh, just going to say this. Uh, the better quarterback this season is getting 10 points. Jesus. Mayfield looked good for about a drive last week. And then, yeah, and then, I hate uh, to say it. I love Baker Mayfield. Yeah, well, so... it. it um, Interesting thing about Fitzpatrick this year is he's not this turnover-worthy play machine. Mayfield has thrown twice as many turnover-worthy plays as a function of the number of passes he's thrown. Fitzpatrick also isn't making the big-time throws either. So he's like, he's he's condensed his game a little bit. Um, and I think the, the Dolphins are better as a result. Um, hopefully, I think they run the, honestly, I think that they try to run the ball too much. And maybe with Mark Walton getting like basically cut, and them only having uh, Kalen Balage and uh, and Miles Gaskins left on the team, they'll just let uh, Fitzpatrick rip this week, and maybe that will help them cover the spread. But uh, this game, I don't know how many how many questions about whether Cleveland's back are we going to field next week at five and six? Oh, that's what you think you're going to field? Because I'm prepared for the Cleveland Browns just lost to the Miami Dolphins, and Freddie Kitchens has been tossed out the door. The Oakland Raiders are vying for a playoff berth in new york against the jets and sam darnold they are three point favorites on the road this is incredible to me and yet i struggle uh to take the the jets as a home uh, a home uh underdog but i actually think there's a there is if there is value here i gotta think it's on the jets because everyone is so high on the raiders right now just so high on the raiders and people think the jets are like the worst team ever but i think they're in a different tier than the the bengals and the redskins like they're they're somewhat functional yeah i mean i I think this is going to be we talked about this on on on, uh, monday morning but like are we really setting up for the Sam Darnold as the highest graded quarterback over the last X weeks of the season again? Mm-hmm. That's what we're. That's why we play the games. Yeah, are we set? Because the the Jets have a pretty easy schedule moving forward, starting I think with the defense that Oakland has. We talked about how they have been um, extremely, uh, you know, uh, they played above expectation despite not having a ton of talent. I don't know, man. When this was at two and a half, this was something that we considered. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's at three. I just think I don't think you can lay a full field goal with with Oakland here on the road. Carr, interestingly, higher passer rating when under pressure than when clean. So maybe you look for some regression here in Oakland. Uh, I don't necessarily know if the regression hits this week in the form of a loss, but um, you know, let, let's wait and see on Oakland. Let's let's uh, let's you know when when it comes to watching the Jets, it's it's interesting because. I think the NFL has a real stake in players like, you know, Sam Darnold playing well. So that's kind of, to me, that's the storyline of this game is, can Darnold continue to do some of the things that he's done over the past couple of weeks that have been positive? Uh, Derek Carr has a better pass rating under pressure than when clean. So, like, regression, it comes. Detroit. Uh, Matt, we're on it. Detroit Lions. And, no. <laughs> the Detroit Lions uh, play in Washington against the Washington Stop. Redskins. 
Yep, go to PFF Greenline if you want to know more about this game. Yeah, we don't even know who the quarterback is. But Jacksonville is playing Tennessee in Tennessee. The Tennessee Titans are three and a half point favorites. And here's what I would say about this game. Both these teams are below average teams. They're both not very good. Both of their quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks, if we're being really honest. So one team should not be favored by more than three over the other team. And so if I had to take one of these teams, I will take the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, my man, Nick Foles. Yeah, well. And and Christ, who's on his side. Yeah, Jag- hopefully uh, the Jaguars can pull through here, complete the season sweep of the Titans, and the Titans can be on their way to under eight. You'd love to see it. All right, that is uh, the Week 12 slate. It is a great, great slate. Um, we will be back with you guys, uh, as usual, on uh, Monday morning, you're looking at me. Oh yeah, S- the Cincy YMCA. Yeah, you had a story, and I I don't this week other than the fact that my my jumper's been just wet all week. But uh, but that's 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 like that's not normal, but it's it's the truth. It's a great story. Do you do you have more on that? What's your, do you have any shooting tips for the people out there? What's your routine like? Well, what's the, your warm up? I don't know. It's just it's just you know it's like it's like Steph Curry. You just shoot a bunch of shots. You know. Okay. Um, uh, I have a couple, uh, oh man. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go with this one. So, um, there's a, there's a, what's good scale etiquette in the gym? Uh, there's one scale. What's the etiquette? Like wear underwear. Really? Yeah. I don't want you walking up there hanging brain while you're but measuring yourself, you know how much boxer shorts weigh. Okay. I, so I don't have a problem if you're really like, you really want to know how much you weigh. I get that. Here's my issue. If you're going to bother to take your socks and your, your boxers off or your tidy whities or your thong or whatever the heck it is, but you're going to wear a watch that looks like it weighs six pounds. Don't. I still have the, the imprint from when you Please stop. Watch. Just stop. I weighed myself the other day and I was waiting. Like I knew someone was on there. So I also think it's proper etiquette to not sort of look at the person that's like currently weighing themselves. Right. Like that seems obvious. And uh, so I went up there and I can't believe that the person in front of me who is whatever. Uh, totally naked, but has left like this massive, probably fake Rolex on while weighing themselves. And then I get off the scale and there's just some bro just like two feet behind me. So that's I like, think that's proper like bank scale. etiquette. Like don't go up to somebody and like look over and look at their balance on their bank. Statement. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like what? Come on, man. What Relax. I don't understand is like, what is, why do they care? Like, it'd be different if the guy was like 400 pounds and you're like, is this guy really 400 pounds? Yeah, yeah, right. Or, or if I'm somebody's like four feet tall pounds. and you're like, is that person really 87 pounds? But the, but the, like, I mean, you're like, you weigh a normal amount of weight. So yeah, I don't know. No one's going to be amazed by the, the weight that I, that I clock in at. Anyways, that's my, uh, that's my Cincy Y story. Be nice to the people on the scale, is what I had to say. Enjoy week. 12 enjoy the sunday night game we'll see you after it thanks guys peace out